Hey, welcome to this week's Gig News, starring me, Chatty Gig Economist. My co-host Hannibal is hungry up there in Brooklyn. How you doing, man? What's going on, Chad? How was your week? You know, it's funny. I was going to take this whole week off because if you saw last week or you saw the video I uploaded a few days ago, I did Lyft for two straight weeks, made $2,000. I was like, you know what? I deserve a week off. And then I was just like going for a walk on Wednesday and my phone lights up and it says, it's Amazon Flex and says, you have, you have a pickup in two hours. And I was like, oh shit, I totally forgot. <clears throat> and uh, so I don't like to turn down those Whole Foods blocks. And also like with Amazon, it's like they have this like point system. So it's like the more deliveries you do, the more points you get. And then I, it's kind of like, you know, like the more you work, the more work they offer you. It's kind of right. like a reward system. Mm-hmm. So, and also like I tend to make, well, not, not recently, but I mean, on a good week, I can make like 30, 35 bucks an hour doing Whole Foods. And, uh, so I had originally on Wednesday, I was 1230 to 230 and then three to five. So I get to the store at like 1225 checked in, I'm all ready to go. And what almost always happens with Whole Foods is like, it'll say like, you have been assigned stops and it'll show you a list of all the, the stops. But then like you hit like the, the store is the first stop, which makes no sense. Cause you already went to the store, but yeah. so you, you navigate to the store and then it says, wait outside. You're in, cause like they still haven't finished packing it up yet. And sometimes it only takes like five minutes and sometimes it can take like over a half hour, which is what happened on, uh, on Wednesday. Hey, we got a new person here. Selena S. Awesome. I don't know if this is a spam bot or there's just it's just random gibberish. Okay, yeah, that's probably not. <laughs> well, at least it's not vulgar, but yeah. Anyway, so it's I'm there I'm there before twelve thirty and it's one o'clock and my stuff still isn't ready. So I'm calling Amazon and being like, Hey, we need to speed this up. You know, I got another block at three o'clock and I haven't started yet. And they usually time out pretty well that it takes you the full two hours to complete all the deliveries. Yeah. <laughs> so then they finally give me my route and they added like three or four more stops. And one of them is like way the hell, like they there's seven of them total. And like the first six are pretty clustered together. And then the seventh one, it's like way the hell on the other side of town. And I'm like, so I call them back and I say, Hey, can you just drop that last stop? Because I have another block at three o'clock. There's no way I'm going to get back in time. And the kid I talked to, he sounded like he was like nugs or something. Oh yeah, this person is definitely a spam bot. <laughs> <laughs> or they got like a cat walking on the keyboard. I don't know. Um, hey, ride your rodeo. Uh, if anybody, I, I forget if I gave. Uh, uh, if somebody has a wrench, can they uh, mute that Selena S person? But anyway, um, so like I, I'm talking to like this rep and I'm like, can you just drop the last stop? Cause they've, they've done this before. And I've actually shown this in some of my ride along videos mm-hmm. where I remember like once, like they've tried to give me like 40 something bags, like my little Honda fit. And I was like, <laughs> I can't take that many. You gotta, you gotta drop a couple. And they did. And, but this time this kid was like, no, I can't do that. Or we, we we're not allowed to do that or something. Mm. I was like, whatever. Interesting. Holy crap. Gary Middleton just gave us 20 bucks. Thanks, man. 
Melton is a good he's a good egg, I tell you that that man is a very awesome yeah. dude. He's quite the philanthropist when it comes to gig tubers. <laughs> so long story short, they couldn't drop that last block or that last delivery. So I just had to go ahead and forfeit my three o'clock block, which that that's that means I lost like anywhere from like thirty to sixty dollars. Although I didn't get penalized because if you drop your block more than like you have up to 45 minutes before your block starts, you can drop it without penalty. But if it's less than 45 minutes, you get penalized. And it's actually better to lose the money tend to get penalized because it takes forever to get back in good standing with Amazon. If Tony gig mom is watching, she can explain this because she's a uh, made a couple of videos about this. And then I had another block on Thursday, but it was just the one and, uh, it was only three deliveries, but it was way the hell up to Volusia County, and it took me like two hours to make three deliveries. It was like mm. fifty miles. So, anyway, I am drinking. This is a, a Creek American Wild fermented with Morello cherry. Tom Morello from Rage Against Machine. Um, oh, so it's a sour cherry beer. So. That sounds like something I like. Yeah, wait, I'm always drinking uh, seltzer waters because I don't tend to drink all that much anymore. You know, when everything's been locked down, but I probably will be drinking a lot next week because next week Friday is my birthday. So I'm going to probably going to sampling a lot of uh, alcohol. (laughs) (laughs) But as for my my work week, it's just most of the dog stuff. Things are still really slow. Things are really slow around here. So, you know. When it's too slow, I just don't waste my time. And I kind of just, you know, all right, just, you know, pack it up and move on. But I'm about to recalibrate my expectations on how much money is out there and what time is to work. But, uh, you know, still, yeah, they're real slow, man. Yeah, it's pretty slow around here, too. I think it's slow everywhere. I, I, actually, is it slow or is it just that there's so many contractors now that, like, you can't even get a piece of the pie anymore? I think it's it's kind of like a twofer. It's all, like I, as I've been doing this for for quite a while, my standards of what I would take is higher. And on top of that, there's more people on the road and probably orders I may have taken. And if I wasn't in this community and did not realize I was being taken advantage of, I would take them. But now I realize like, yeah, I don't want to go that far. Grab a hub or no, I'm not going to take, you know, there's certain certain things that I realized like, yeah, I could. I'm better off either concentrating on something else or figuring out a whole different plan entirely. So, I think it's a little bit of both. I think. I think in terms of they want new people on. They don't want us that we don't take crap. You know, what I mean, they, they we make we they give us they have to pay us more money to do the same thing. So, yeah, um, I, I have a theory, but it's it's kind of it, well, it's kind of like an experiment more than a theory. So. Uh, if you saw my, my video about Lyft, you know, I did, I did my 120 rides. I got my $1,800 plus tips and all that stuff. I got my two grand and I actually, I did a video. I was recording my screen when I was actually going through the deactivate deactivation process and I went through it and I deactivated my account, or at least I thought I did, but I never got an email from Lyft saying your account is now deactivated. Um, so then I just tried to log back into the Lyft driver app and it like it was like it didn't recognize me. It was like who are you? And it said like you know send your password or whatever. And they didn't they never sent me the password. So I can tell because I can't log into the driver app that I am now deactivated with Lyft and actually I was talking with Gary I think this morning 
And he said, if you wait 90 days and you can reapply again, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's 90 days. I thought, I thought it'd be like six months, but yeah, if it's 90 days, I think I might do that. I mean, I would do that 120 ride challenge. You, if you, it was, if you had to wait every 90 days, that's, you could do that like what, three, four times a year. I think the longer you stay away from, uh, as long as you, the longer you stay away, the more that they will try to desperately bring you back, especially as if, you know, they're looking for new drivers just to bring you back to think that it can kind of lure you back in to do it. Yeah, to get that really good bonus. But like you said, after the bonus is pretty much not, you start to lose value because, like you said, you were getting paid less than minimum wage. So, uh, yeah, it doesn't make sense for you to continue to lift after you got the bonus. It's funny. I was I paradoxically made less than minimum wage and also made two thousand dollars in two weeks. If you want to know how that happens, watch the video and to, it's totally. I mean, it sounds contradictory, but it actually that happened. So, um, oh yeah. So what I was gonna say is, I thought about as an experiment to, I thought about actually deactivating my Uber account and then like waiting three months or however long it is and then reapplying and then seeing if I could get a sign on bonus with Uber. And then like, I thought about doing that with every app, like especially Instacart, like just deactivate my Instacart account and then start over because like all these apps, they seem to prioritize new people over veterans, which makes no sense at all because people who have been doing this for a while, they know what they're doing. They have better customer service. So I don't know. I don't know why you would want to give away, Tons of money to people who have no idea what they're doing. I I do not get this at all. I guess I, I think Valistat said it's like, like just the W two mentality of that these people like a newbie. You know, if they're so used to W two, they're just gonna take anything that they're offered and try to like knock it out. Like they're trying to please a boss, but they're just pleasing an algorithm. You know, definitely yeah. Anyway. Uh, let's get into the news. We're about 10 minutes in. That's the name of the show, this week's gig news. <laughs> All right. We got, it's funny, we actually have like a lot of disturbing stories this week. So, uh, buckle up, folks. All right. So, let's start in. Our first story is about a serial killer. Uber could have stopped sh- driver before Kalamazoo shooting rampage, lawsuit says. So, this is. This guy, Jason Dalton, in 2006, he like went on a shooting spree and shot eight people, killing six of them. This was in t- uh, 2016. And he pleaded guilty to all 16 charges. So, um, but uh, so a man taken on a heroin ride before the 2016 shooting r- rampage has filed a lawsuit against the ride sharing company. I don't know why it took him five and a half years. Matt Mellon was taken on the dangerous ride by Uber driver Jason Dalton on, yeah, we know that he fatally shot six people and injured two. Um, Mellon had requested an Uber ride. So uh, Mellon escaped from the, so he said he was in Dalton. That's the killer's. uh, He was in his car and the, this nut job was running red lights, crashing other vehicles, committing crimes, including kidnapping, falsely imprisoning and battering of Matt Mellon. He escaped from the ride, immediately tried to contact Uber to report the driver's unsafe driving. And then he also, I know somewhere he also called the 911, but they didn't do anything about it. So he's suing. And actually, it's really buried in here, but I believe he's only, yeah, he's only asking for 25000 
but that's uh, but he also is asking for a jury trial. So I actually wasn't familiar with the story until I saw this story that actually Steve Rideshare wrote here brought to my uh, attention. It's very scary. And actually somebody made a low budget independent movie, like a, like a horror movie based on this incident. And it's, and it's actually free on YouTube. It's, it's just called Rideshare, which is a terrible title because it's such a generic term. But, um, yeah, so uh, I'm gonna turn it over to you. Did you hear about this this shooting spree back in 2016? And what do you think is gonna happen with this? I did not know anything about it until I read this story. This is bizarre. I've seen I've seen stories similar to this where someone just does like that rampage thing where just like one night they decide just to kind of go go completely off the rails. I'm just wondering in terms of what the what the actions Uber could have taken other than the fact that, you know, 2006, how strong the technology was. Is it something that they could have done? 2016. Um, not oh, 2016. Oh, sorry. Oh, okay. I was like 20. Oh yeah. So I'm just wondering. Yeah. I mean, at the same time, I'm wondering what, how I'm assuming Uber is going to fight this because any emission of fault just opens up a bunch of other cases that can be brought from all types of different situations. So I think they probably will fight this. Um, Kyle, I know with uh, that chapter, YouTube channel was pretty good in terms of uh, true crime videos. I know you just put that up earlier, but I, you know, I still think that Uber is going to fight it. I, I know. I think a lot of these uh, companies, they're going to say, Hey, listen, the local, the local police need to take care of crime. We're not a crime fighting organization. If things kind of go off the rails, like there's only much, so much that we can do, you know, when, you know, um, I'm still trying to figure out exactly what kind of maybe you could you can fill me in what Uber could have done to get the you know get this guy off the streets just deactivating well, him or yeah that's basically all he's saying is that he called he called Uber and said this guy's crashing into cars and uh just running red lights and like like he was like drunk like if you were in an Uber and the driver was like just drunk out of their mind like you would definitely call Uber and probably the police, and except uh, this dude, well, he wasn't drunk he was just nuts I mean he's probably schizophrenic or something in fact he said like the app like told him to like he was basically it's like a modern day son of Sam thing, um yeah so I think uh I agree with Gary. For twenty five thousand, Uber might just settle. It would cost them more in lawyers' fees. Yeah, although I, I think that they're going to settle for a lot more than twenty five grand. Like he's just throwing twenty five grand out there, just to, uh, like make it like like he's just to put an offer on the table because he's probably going to and like he like like he said he wanted a jury trial, and if you get this story in front of a jury that like. Like, hey, this like unfortunately, there's no cell phone cover video of it, as far as I know. Um, oh yeah, and uh, Steve said he sent geolocation of driver to police. Yeah, I think he has. Well, I was gonna say he could sue the police too, but there's a uh, police have are under no obligation to protect you. I forget the name of that. It's a Supreme Court case, like from like 30 years ago. But um. Anyway, so yeah, I think that Uber will probably just settle this because it's just so terrible publicity. Um, but they have, I think it said they have until December to respond. So, 
Yeah. Well, I think ideal, ideally, if you did report something dangerous, that you would contact and they would respond quickly. But I, don't, I just don't see how that, I mean, I haven't seen anything like that, even simple stuff that, you know, you may want to complain about. I think, yeah, you would want something to immediately stop. But at the same time, just because he's not act- deactivated, does that mean he was going to stop what he was doing? Um, but it's possible, you know, uh, it's possible that they may, like I said, just settle just to get the case off. I don't know. I, like, if he's already acting in this erratic manner with deactivating, would have stopped him from doing, like, but getting the, the location to the place is probably what Uber should have done. Or do they have the capability to do that? I mean, it's a lot to, I guess, decipher. You would think, ideally, if any kind of violent action is happening to any gig worker, something should happen immediately, how, how you know, and, and quickly. Um, hopefully, you just learn from that situation, or at least Uber can fix that technology. Or, yeah. Well, I think, yeah, because if you read that story, he said, like, the Uber driver app was telling him to kill people. So if he was deactivated, like, theoretically, the app wouldn't have told him to do that. So, I mean, if you're going to argue, I mean, we can argue, um, what's it called? Uh, when you're speculating, um, conjecture. I mean, you can argue conjecture till the cows come home. But like I said, I think they're just going to settle. It's just, you know. So we'll find out in a few months, I guess. Yep. All right. Let's move on. This is from businessinsider.com. Maybe Hannibal can comment on this. Some food delivery workers in New York City have built makeshift break rooms and parking lots so they can shelter between rides, according to a report. And um, so this, they're basically, it's funny, this Business Insider story is commenting on a story from The Verge. And I read, well, I read a lot of the story from the verge and it's really, really long. It's like 20 or 30,000 words, but, um, and it goes deep into detail about, you know, Uber, DoorDash, you know, just food delivery drivers, uh, in New York city, I think in Manhattan actually, or the Bronx. I don't know if they mentioned, uh, yeah, in the Bronx. Um, and a lot of them are, are like bike, uh, couriers. So, um, it's a it's an interesting story, but it's just kind of one of those um, tear jerking stories where they try to make you feel bad for um, gig workers. So, uh, have you seen any of these? Are you know any of these people? Yeah, um, there's thousands and thousands of 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 of, of people on scooters, people on e bikes. There are tons and tons of them. Uh, every day, all day, they're out there, twenty four seven. So there's certain things that if you are outside, you, you're not, you don't have access to a bathroom. Uh, most still restaurants give you a hard time if you want to use the bathroom. I don't not, I don't understand why. I don't know if it's just like still the COVID thing. They don't want you coming in too far. I mean, there's still a lot of carry out. So I understand the plight. I don't know what what the city can do other than you know propose to have some new protections. I guess. A guaranteed bathroom access it's kind of unfortunately you have to tell someone like if i'm running a business i'm running a restaurant and i'm having people that come in you know DoorDash, drive whatever and they had to use the bathroom i would just obviously hey use the bathroom no problem but uh some restaurants they have a line they have a sign around the door that no bathroom access to anybody or it's not public bathroom access so it's just more of the same like you know a lot of usually when you have delivery drivers on scooters bikes 
they they belong to a restaurant. They work for a restaurant, so they hang out in the restaurant during the times they're not getting orders. But there is there isn't a DoorDash shelter. There's not a Grubhub shelter or a place you can hang and wait because it's not W two. You're kind of on your own. So I think that's just the the ups and downs of doing this kind of work. And you're on a bike and you're trying to be out there for ten to twelve hours. You may you know what I mean? Like it's going to be a difficult situation. Yeah, I mean, as far as I know, they didn't mention any lawsuits or anything in this, but it sounds like, and especially like as blue progressive cities like New York, Seattle, San Francisco, as they try to make us all employees, is that I think that they're eventually going to say by law, like you're going to have to open some kind of break room so that, you know, drivers can use a bathroom or, you know, uh, like like a break room, like in an office or something, or at least like, you know, sanitary, um, washroom or something. Because I don't know. I mean, being in a big city like that, and actually, uh, if you saw my interview with John McCallion on on Wednesday, we, he's in L.A. and we talked about this, and he said a lot of fast food places there they have like a four digit pin number on the bathroom door, and I guess they change it every day. So like, you can't just go into KFC or McDonald's and use the shitter uh, you actually have to buy something or ask for the code or whatever and we don't have that here like i've never once i i mean i've seen some signs that say restroom for customers only but i always i always say well i'm uh, acting on behalf of a customer so i and i've never gotten yelled at for using uh, a restaurant's or a store's bathroom have you no i i mean i i'm pretty good at being really close to the house and i'm i drive a car so there's certain things that you know i have an advantage i don't have to deal with that kind of unfortunate situations but uh even the public transportation you know mta there's a you know subway system a lot of the subway stations do not have bathrooms um i think a lot of the restaurants and the businesses don't want to deal with customers coming into bathrooms because they don't want to deal with either you know um, i guess the better word to call it vagrants or homeless or whatever to come into the bathroom. I didn't want to deal with that. So I just say, Hey, let's say we have a bathroom, just go somewhere else. And yeah, did, did, you have to ask for a key. I think with a lot of these bathrooms, um, yeah, it's just so, some simple stuff that, you know, especially here in New York city and Brooklyn, whatever you're just gonna have to deal with, unfortunately, especially if you only have a bike, you don't have a car to kind of drive you to, you know, back to your house or something like that. Sorry, Leo is, um, I got my cat repellent here and he's like, he's playing, he's in like a staring contest with me or like an old Western where he's just like, yeah, shoot it. Motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I'm sitting at the computer, that's what he's like. He decides I need cuddles right now. So <laughs> hope he learned. Uh, Kyle said, no one has the balls to say anything to me. Gary said, I just typically just walk in and use it. I don't ask unless it's locked. And uh, John McCallion gave gave us $2. Thanks, man. We just mentioned your name. So anyway, um, kind of an interesting story. Uh, but I think we're hanging too long on that. Let's move on to our next piece. Oops. Uh, this is from the rideshareguy.com. And uh, I don't know why, but the, uh, the headline isn't showing. But it's saying... Uh, Seattle as uh, Uber driver advocates, and it's a, so Seattle has stood out as a gig worker advocate in seven major ways. I'm just going to read the bullet points. So they have a driver minimum wage, driver resolution center, 
paid sick leave, gig worker settlements, wage stu- studies, wage studies. I wonder if they mean subsidies, driver unionization, and Seattle-based companies helping gig workers. So, um, yeah, it, it would be too long for us to go over all of them. But, I mean, does it surprise you? I mean, it's Seattle, very, very blue city in a very, very blue state. And I think they think of themselves – I think Seattle was like the first city in the country to implement like $15 minimum wage. And that was like almost 20 years ago or at least 10, 15 years ago. I remember they were like way ahead of the curve on that for better or for worse. Um, So – and I am – I am, but I'm not surprised that the rideshareguy.com is – they seem to be kind of – singing their praises they're not really criticizing this it's more about hey like but at the same time this all these seven points right here these are these are seven perks that i would expect for a employer employee relationship so i don't know if if harry is aware of this but he's making a very very good case for ab5 or you know employ employer employee status or something like that so I don't know. What do you think? I th- I think a lot of people want this job to be a W two. They want a W two protections. They want W two, um, basically same, basically a little bit of everything. They want able to to log in and log off as they choose, but want a lot of stuff that comes with it. And it's just very interesting because those type of things, there's there's no perfect situation. Like when these type of things go on, certain things will. We'll turn around and either have more more money is going to, have to pay from the customer or it's going to be from the restaurant. So, uh, I would like to see more information, more money, or more information about the numbers in Seattle. The restaurants are they still are they thriving at all? Uh, is the wages getting higher in other places? So, uh, so it looks like this is a kind of a different kind of. This is not Prop Twenty Two. Like I guess, like I said, it's a, a version of it. But how effective is it? with the economic base in Seattle. Like is it going is it better or worse? Is it the same? I would like to know more information about that, to be honest. Seattle basically just does whatever they want with stuff like this. They don't need a prop twenty two or A B five. They just they don't even need a statewide regulation. They just do it. So I remember like uh when COVID first broke out, they had some kind of law that with Instacart shoppers, they had to get paid a uh <clears throat> some kind of like hazard pay. Like it was like an extra two bucks, and like I remember arguing with people, with other Instacart shoppers, like on Facebook and stuff. I'm just like, at what? What? Okay, what is the the payment at which you will be satisfied? Like you'll trade the payment for getting COVID. Like at what? And everybody's like, there is you can't put a price on that. I'm like, well, clearly you can, because you're asking <laughs> for an extra. And it was funny they had actually pretty lowball, uh, demands. They want like an extra two or five bucks per batch for a hazard pay. I was like, man, you guys just 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 bleed those companies dry you know there's uh like anyway um we're just i'm just we're just gonna start ragging on uh leftists and stuff (laughs) (laughs) which me you and most of my viewers don't seem to have a problem with so yeah that's true (laughs) yeah all right all right let's move on this this story is both hilarious and scary this is a screaming Lyft driver suspended after dumping passenger in the middle of Tennessee freeway. <laughs> so this is uh, like two screenshots from this dude's uh, TikTok video. 
And I I got a local news story on this. So I'm going to I'm going to run this uh if I can find it. Here we go. What would you do? The passenger of this now viral video found himself in the back seat of what he calls an aggressive lift driver who then left him right on the side of the highway. He spoke with our Olivia Michael and says he hopes his experience is a lesson for others. What was supposed to be an average ride home from the airport. I'm just trying to ask him to go to speed limit as well. I'm saying I'm gonna go. Has now gone viral. So I attempt to uh, to raise the uh, the window on the door and she has it locked out. Aaron Swetlin said he just wanted to close his rear window because of the pressure on his ears. First tip that it something is kind of out of out of whack for me. It was like, wait, you've taken control away from me to be able to do that. That seemed kind of odd. He says his Lyft driver informed him it was a COVID rule to keep the windows open. So then I asked her if she doesn't mind to uh, um, just reduce her speed. Maybe that would be more pleasant for me uh, if we're going to have to keep the windows down. Instead, things escalated. All right. Well, you got to, hey, you're going to you're gonna have to open that trunk. At that point, that's when I turned on my camera. When she gra- tried to grab for my phone and throw it out of the vehicle, that was a scary moment because I'm like, had she succeeded, I lost my only way to communicate. I just want my bag, man. Sweatland hopes others learn from his experience. Thank you. Thank you. This really can't happen to anybody, and you really kind of have to be cautious of your surroundings and and just be aware. And never have to endure a ride like his. I got it all camera everything. Me too. Just be safe. Like watch out for yourself. Uh, nobody else is doing it, so you got to do it for yourself. That just happened to me. Lyft says they suspended the driver's account pending a complete investigation. You could read their full statement on our website, newschannel5.com. Olivia Michael, News Channel 5. All right. <laughs> Was that hilarious or disturbing or both? I think, well, when you first said it, I'm like, how is it possible to have both? But yeah, a little bit of both, but more on the disturbing part. That woman was having complete meltdown. Uh, Just, you could tell, like, something was not right with this person. And yeah, if I was him, I would be freaking. I'm like, okay, what am I about to do? We're on a highway. She's kind of losing her mind a little bit. But he seemed like he he kept his cool for a certain, you know, a certain point at least hey let me get get you know pull me out get my bag because something's wrong here um yeah if you're driving extremely fast on a highway you went when the window's up that's pretty annoying so you can either reduce the speed or close windows but this woman once she lost any type of control she just started to freak out so um hopefully this person gets deactivated because that that it was it was a little crazy yeah to say the least well you know you know what i got to uh well, not come to her defense, but just play a little devil's advocate here. So I was just doing Lyft last week. So, And actually, this is something when you fire up the app and you hit go online, it tells you this. It says, windows down, mass up, best case, leave all four windows open, next best, open front right and rear left, wear your mask properly, blah, blah, blah. And then this is somewhere else in the, ma- in the, uh, in the app. It says you got to follow CDC regulations. Wear a mask, keep the vehicle clean, leave the front seat empty, 
And then if you see the last line on here, which is ridiculous, turn off your car's recirculated air and keep windows down. It does say when possible, not at all times. And this lady uh, is seems to be a real stickler for the rules. And I think like this is her way of saying, hey, I'm just doing what the app tells me. And it's like, yeah, but you got to use a little common sense. Like, I I almost never drove with the windows down unless it was like by some miracle less than like 80 degrees. And I would uh, like, especially if we're on the highway, I'm going to roll the windows up and turn the AC on. You know, I'm not going to roll the windows down on the highway. But um, yeah, I mean, it has to be the weather has to be absolutely perfect to do that. Like it has to be like, you know, what, 60, 70 degrees, low humidity. And like you just like even in Florida, like with. If it's like so hot out and you roll the windows down, even though you have the wind blowing on you, it's just blowing humid air on you. So, and this is in Tennessee, so I I, I imagine it's not quite as humid there, but still. And what's interesting is that um, you can actually watch the full TikTok on TikTok, and I watched it, and like the problem is it just kind of picks up where we saw. There isn't any more additional footage on the whole uh, TikTok, but I kind of wonder what happened to just start this argument and it's funny because on that uh that story that i was showing it's a let me bring it up here so the caution tape wrapped around the interior and the inflatable pennywise the clown car buddy sitting the passenger seat might have been an indicator of the craziness that was about to come <laughs> and also when she lunged for his phone like that's i'm wondering like if he if they got in some kind of argument like over politics or something or Unless he unless he, he tried to attack her, this woman is mentally ill and lost her mind. I don't see yeah. what could have even argued about politics. Why are you grabbing his phone? You're it's your car. You should have you should maintain control. Either you're not going to comply with the order, but you're not going to start screaming. So no, that woman was a little loony, and hopefully she's not picking up anybody else. Yeah. <laughs> Although, I mean how much blame does it go to the passenger? Because if I'm this dude and I'm waiting at the airport and this lady rolls up and you see the caution tape and I mean, I guess like if it's Halloween, you can kind of get away with that. But I mean, this is yeah. still September early. In fact, this was like a week or two ago. So it's kind of old news now. Uh, Kyle said that lady is totally normal. And hot flora. I'm not leaving my windows down. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I would kind of be like, bro, you should just cancel the ride when you, when she pulled up. You know, take the take the loss, <laughs> take the L. Um, although I mean, he got a viral TikTok video out of it, and he got to be on the news. Hopefully, he got some money out of that. But <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, pretty crazy. All right, well, uh, gonna take a quick commercial break. Our buddy uh, Gary Middleton is loving this, and uh, we will be right back with more this week's gig news. Are you a DoorDash delivery driver? Would you like to be safer and less stressed while driving and earn more at the same time? The Driver's Utility Helper app allows you to do just that. Create custom filters and its automated system does the work for you, automatically declining unwanted low-paying requests and accepting more profitable requests so you can focus on driving. Visit acceptordecline.com to get started today. You know, that's a good idea. This this is acceptordecline.com. So this is the official website for 
driver's utility helper. So yeah, everybody check that out. Link in the description below. Just click on it. It's going to take you right there. All right, let's move on. Goodbye Grubhub. These New Jersey restaurants built their own delivery service. Now, isn't this like the third story about something like this that we've covered since we started the show? So I think I think it's going to be a a a theme that's going to continue. Yeah. We'll see how, and they're all local too, which mm-hmm. might be the best way to go about it. So this is, and I asked. It's funny because uh, there was a certain New Jersey podcaster I was hoping was going to come on the show, but he couldn't make it, and this was like right where he lived. So anyway, this is. I'm going to skip to the meat and bones. So this is in Jersey city. Um, let's see. Sorry. All right. So a group of eight city restaurants whose own delivery network called gold coast community delivery aims to be more restaurant customer friendly instead of trend for the rest of the state. This money is all going to either the restaurant itself or a group of restaurants that are local and independent. The way we want to move forward is just transparency, supporting one on each other. And hopefully having the community built in or buy-in. Their service plans will launch sometime in the fall in partnership with New York-based courier service Relay, which will provide the delivery drivers. So basically this is like a white label service, which actually DoorDash and all those companies already do, where like you order directly from you know company X and it like it makes you think it's getting delivered by company X, but it's actually getting delivered by DoorDash or Uber Eats or Instacart or whoever. Martino said their model will include fewer fees for customers, lowering prices by 10 to 12%. And then, like right here, similar restaurant-owned services have successfully developed in Iowa City, Knoxville, Tennessee, Las Vegas, and Washington, D.C., some during the pandemic. Or some years before, sorry. All right, so, I mean, I don't know how much there is to say about it. I mean, these, I think these, these, and actually, didn't like in UDM and Pedro say that they're, Thinking about starting their own local delivery company. Yeah. Yeah. They, it's kind they, of like, they, uh, instead of having cable TV, you just have streaming services. I don't, yeah, I don't I, know if that's a good analogy. <laughs> well, I, I think being local seems to be a very ideal situation where you can reduce some of the costs so that the savings can continue on for the merchants and the customers. The problem is with DoorDash and these other massive companies, there's so much money they have to div out, how much millions of dollars they're spending on marketing and all the infrastructure and the growth where if you can just get your little, you know, because, you know, back, I don't know if it's, well, I'm sure it's still going on in, in the restaurants before DoorDash and Grubhub and Ubi, there was a certain limit that the restaurant would go. So, if you know, if everyone's kind of grouped up together in a local sense, you can still get the deliveries in the areas that they can. And ten to twelve percent, it's much better than fifteen to thirty percent that the big guys are going to uh, put out there. So, yeah, I think it's it's a good idea. I think it's going to continue to go on because people got to try to save as much money as possible. Restaurants, the mar- margin for profits are pretty thin. Yeah, it didn't say if the drivers are going to be, you know, like DoorDash, like 1099 independent contractors, or if they're going to be employees. That's that's something that, like, I've never seen answered in any of these type of stories that we've covered. Mm. So, I mean, would you sign up, like, if there was, like, a delivery service, like, just in Brooklyn or even just, like, your neighborhood, um, like, they recruited you? If the price was right, would you would you work for them? Uh, 
I'm I'm pretty not I'm not interested in any W two work, but if it was on like a on call thing or like a look like it, like Amazon Flex where you get to pick your shift, I think yeah. that'd be kind of cool. Yeah, I'd be interested in doing that. Okay. Hmm. All right, let's move on. We got another local story. And you know what's the good thing about local news is I get to show video instead of having to read it. So, <laughs> uh, so this is out of Minneapolis, and this is a bus driver shortage has some Twin Cities families turning to rideshare apps to get kids to school. Although I think um, this is like the third or fourth story that I've seen about this. It's not just in Minneapolis. I saw a story about this like in Chicago, I think Boston, um, somewhere out west like uh, Portland or something. But anyway, I have a, a – this news video i downloaded it so let me uh fire it up here if i can find it there we go severe shortage of bus drivers means that parents are finding other ways to get their kids to school but some of those options could have negative consequences wcco's aaron hasanzada spoke with parents about the struggle and lengths they're going to to get their kids to class the past two days i've gotten a call gosh probably 20 minutes, 25 minutes before his bus is still supposed to arrive saying there is no driver. April Rachie's son Preston is a third grader at Jenny Lind in North Minneapolis. The past few mornings, the school has told her the bus would be two hours late to pick him up. April is a teacher in Minneapolis, so she's already gone by the time she gets these calls. My neighbor has been super gracious and wonderful and has been taking both her child and my child to school. Um, because as a single parent, I can't, I don't have other options. Not everyone has a neighbor like April's, but many do have rideshare apps and they're using them. I've had a couple of uh, parents try to get me to take their younger kids to school. Since school started, driver Ryan Stanzel sees it every morning. I'd say the 7.30 to 9 time frame is really busy and we do definitely see people who are trying to take um, ride share to school. But before you call that ride, you should know that companies like Uber and Lyft say you have to be 18 or older to ride solo. And if drivers take someone younger than that, it could be bad news for them. Ride share drivers get fired on the spot if they do that. A, it's a waste of time, and B, it's just an awkward situation when you're trying to ask somebody how old they are. They do it because they're desperate. Um, but if I don't have this job, I'm going to be a lot more desperate, too. So desperate in some cases that families are willing to give kids the VIP treatment to get them to class with Shea Eisenman's private car service. Over the last week, every single morning, my our phones have been blowing up, my text messages with people wanting us to fall out of the sky and take their kids to school. On an average day, we're getting somewhere between 20 and 30 calls just within that hour. But of course, most don't have that luxury and in fact, don't have any other options. Having to quickly go to a plan B and C is really frustrating and overwhelming. Aaron Hassanzada, WCCO 4 News. Uber says if it gets a report of an underage rider, it could boot the driver or account holder from the app. Lyft urges its drivers to let the company know if unaccompanied kids try to catch a ride. All right. So you've got kids. Do they walk or take the bus to school? <laughs> I have one child. He's seven. Uh, he takes he takes the public uh, school bus, and I'm I'm wondering if it's the same thing with um, labor shortages. There's not enough bus drivers. There's not enough people working um, right now. I'm I'm not saying having an issue with the bus driver, but usually what's supposed to happen in uh, the bus public bus is supposed to be two people working. It's supposed to be it's like a major deed or like a helper, and then there's a driver. 
And right now it's only the driver. And I'm not totally thrilled with that because I think, you know, with small kids bouncing around in the school bus, there should be someone in the back, make sure everyone is acting right. So I think this is maybe just more of the same situations we're having across the board with labor where people are just, there's not enough work or not enough people that can do the work to a point now they're trying to pay for it. So uh, that's just my thought about it. Is it- uh, where's DoorDash dad? He's used to be a bus driver. And like, this is a perfect example of bus drivers who quit their job to go become DoorDash drivers or <laughs> Uber Eats drivers or whatever they're doing. Yeah. Or it's just a sign of the times. I mean, just like any other uh, industry, people, there's a labor shortage everywhere. If <laughs> anybody who makes less than six figures really seems like. Yeah. Um, but do you think Uber and Lyft should maybe I don't, would they have to go city by city or maybe on a case by case basis, but that they, that they could say, Hey, we realize there's a shortage of bus drivers and that the only way parents in certain situations can get their kids to school is getting them there with Lyft and Uber. Should they make an exception or is it just, I mean, well, neither of us are lawyers, but do you think they're just, the lawyers have just said, Nope, not worth the litigation or the liability or whatever. Definitely. I think uh, the last was it last week or two, uh, we were talking to Steve from the Ride Share Rodeo and he, he kind of just broke it down like it's just not worth the litigation. It's not worth if something goes wrong. And there's accidents everywhere. It doesn't matter, car, bus. But when it comes to an underage kid and they don't have necessary training in terms of being a bus driver and a certain things you're supposed to know and blah, 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 blah. Uh, I think Uber enough is like, hey, this is just not worth it. So I don't think they're going to ever, you know, even attempt to try to, I don't know, privatize the bus system. So I, I don't think so. It's not even a matter of public or privatized. It's just a matter of getting people in there. I mean, yeah. so this is like a, like those those driverless vehicles can't come soon enough, you know? <laughs> All right. Let, let's move on. All right. We got another scary story. This is... You might have. It sounds like a broken record. So, uh, this is for this happened here in uh, Florida. Uh, a car and motorbike collided. Everyone is okay, but then it gets terrified as the rideshare driver is stabbed. And I have another um, local news story on this one, so I'm just going to run this. The suspect was denied bond, and police say that witnesses told them that there was really no rhyme or reason behind the attacks. In his first appearance, as to the attempt at first-degree murder, Bond is denied. 38-year-old Michael Radler facing attempted first-degree murder charges and fleeing the scene of an accident involving serious bodily injury. Right. No contact with the victim. I'm going to say contact with any witnesses also. Sure, there are witnesses here. No weapons. Police say he stabbed a Lyft driver after he and his motorbike collided with the Lyft car crashing into a tree Sunday morning in Boynton Beach. According to the arrest report, the Lyft driver had two passengers in his back seat. Those witnesses telling police when he went to check on Rattler, the two exchanged words and then Rattler pulled out a knife and started stabbing and punching the victim multiple times before taking off on his motorbike. Rattler was later found and arrested. According to the arrest report, a large knife matching the description of the one Rattler used was found near a home on Highland Lane in Delray Beach. It was taken in as evidence. Ring doorbell video surveillance also showing a male matching Rattler's description was recovered. 
Now we're still waiting to hear how that Lyft driver is doing, but as of last check, we're hearing that he is in critical condition at the hospital. Reporting from West Palm Beach, Josie Carbonari, WPBF 25 News. All right. It's funny because it's WPB. I see PB. I think it's like peanut butter, but it's West Palm Beach, Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been in accidents before. I never hit a guy on a motorcycle. It's, they said motorbike. So that they mean like in like an e-bike, like a bicycle with a motor on it. Or, I'm, I'm assuming a motorbike. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that it's funny that mugshot of that dude just looks like the like this absolute typical Florida man. You know, but that, I mean, that's pretty scary. I mean, if you were in a car accident, especially like if you hit somebody and you go to check on them and he pulls out a knife. Yeah. But it seemed I like mean, it was an argument. Think, it was an argument at first. And then well, he I just mean, lost I, his mind. I'd be pretty pissed if a, if a car hit me too, uh, especially if it wasn't my fault. But yeah, uh, I, uh, something tells me that it was, it was the dude on the bike's fault. Hey, Pedro is here. Scary. Scary, scary, scary stuff, man. I think a few weeks ago, I've heard saw a story of two cars um just colliding into each other because one didn't didn't want to stop, and they had an argument, and one took out a gun and, and shot and killed the kid. So, it's it's a uh, it's I, I tell you, our the mental collective mental health in our country is like deteriorating, and you don't know who you're going to mess with when you out here on the road. So, you know, just be careful, guys. You know, it's not worth it. You never know when someone may just had a bad day and they're ready to risk it all, you know, in, in, the, in the wrong sense. Um, yeah. All right. Well, let's let's move on to some less scary stories. We got two Instacart stories in a row. So this is Kroger and Instacart aim for a 30-minute grocery delivery. Partnership draws supermarket giant further into a crowded market. Now, there isn't a whole lot to um, I- explain on here, just that Kroger is, whoops, they're going to, uh, I think they launched their own app called like Kroger Deliver Now, and it says they're going with a 30-minute delivery. The problem is it doesn't say if this is nationwide or local, because I would think like if you're going to get 30-minute delivery, it's got to be like in a really um, densely populated area, like with uh, gorillas or, uh, you know, go puff or whatever somewhere where they like, and you have the, where they can just get that quick. Cause it's like, what if somebody orders like two shopping carts full of food, are they really expected to get delivered in 30 minutes. And, uh, you know, are they going to have multiple shoppers shopping? Cause that's the only way. Cause I'm, I'm a Instacart shopper and I mean, I can do a 30 minute order if it's like 10 items or less and the mileage is fairly short, but if they want like, you know, a, for a full, you know, family of like eight and they want, they want, have like two shopping carts full of food. I mean, it's going to take me at least an hour just to do the shopping and take double that. If it's, I mean, maybe, or I was going to say maybe uh, half that time. If uh, you had two or three people somehow were able to split the order, like if two or three people all had the same app on their, their phone and they could all, you know, knock it out. Like, Hey, you take, frozen food and meat and I'll take bakery and produce and deli and you take all the aisles, you know? Yeah. So. I, I'll, I would assume that they're going to hire in, in store shoppers and then Instacart 
is I guess the end is probably just delivery only. That's the f- only way I can see thirty minutes deliveries. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, exactly. Or it would have to be like really small orders, like ten items or less or something. I don't get this. So, and is uh, one Instacart story is not enough for you? We got another here. Uh, twenty four seven delivery now available. Uh, I hope if I shared the screen. <laughs> this is straight from Instacart.com. Uh, so as we work to offer more batches for shoppers and more choices for customers, we're introducing 24-7 delivery. Unlocking the ability to shop anytime is best for you. So it's basically select retail partners are open at all hours, including sub-locations like 7-Eleven, Walgreens, CVS, Rite Aid, and Safeway. So um, it's funny because ever since COVID, I don't think like any stores that I can think of other than like gas stations are open 24 hours anymore. Like I'm from upstate new york and like the first job job that I ever had was f- for price chopper which is a major supermarket chain up there and like what price choppers claim to fame was that they were open 24 7 and like they only closed like on like thanksgiving and christmas day otherwise they was 24 7 year round and it's funny when i moved down south i noticed that the supermarkets would they were open like you know 6 a.m to like 11 p.m or midnight or something like that but Walmart would be open 24-7. And up up north, it's the other way around. Like Walmart is like 6 to 11 or whatever. And supermarkets are, well, they used to be 24-7. But I actually, I asked my sister, because she's still up there in upstate New York. And I said, is supermarkets still open 24-7? She's like, no, it's been, you know, like 6 to 11 for like almost two years now. So, um, I mean, again, not much. Again, this is like kind of like a, just a, PR kind of news story, but I don't know what Instacart shoppers are going to be available in the middle of the night, you know, and especially if you are somewhere where you can order full, you know, a full shopping cart full of groceries for a family. Like, I don't know what Instacart shopper is going to be available then. Uh, I think if you're ordering, you know, your uh, turkey and ham and SpaghettiOs, at you know two in the morning because you're drunk or high, you might be waiting a while. <laughs> uh, well, it depends on the market. I would say in my market, this is a great idea. As for someone who uses Instacart on a weekly basis, now I know it at all times of the night. If I'm hankering for something or I'm going to cook later the next day, and I don't have all the ingredients and I want everything right now. I can order it because I am lazy. Just thank you, John. I'm lazy and I don't feel like shopping. Um, Pedro should sign up as well so he can order things in the middle of the night as well. He lives in a major city. And uh, I'm sure Instacart, just like every other app, is full of saturation. People are desperately looking for orders. So uh, if I order something, I, I, I'll, I'll test it out. I'll order something at 3 o'clock in the morning and I, I bet you someone will get that, bring that order to me. Well, yeah, I mean, if you're in New York City, chances are pretty good. But if you're in, I'm trying to think of a small town that's like well known. But I mean, if you're out in rural Florida or Idaho, not happening. Yeah. 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 All right. We got a quick commercial break from our friend again, Gary Middleton at. I got I got to apologize. I was on Steve uh, Johnson Rideshare Rodeo podcast the other day. And I mentioned, um, I meant to mention Maximo, but I said Maestro by accident, who is their competitor. So um, no, no charge, Gary, for this commercial. 
yeah. So if you're a rideshare driver or even if you're a Uber Eats, DoorDash, um, Grubhub driver, you can, or not, not uh, sorry, not DoorDash, but um, if you do uh, Uber Eats or Grubhub, you can also use Maximo for that. So let me run the ad for that real quick. Meet Joe. He's a rideshare driver that drives for Uber and Lyft. Joe currently uses multiple phones to efficiently drive for Uber and Lyft. But this can be a pain at times and very unsafe. That was until Joe found Maximo, the rideshare app that automates Uber and Lyft ride requests. Maximo will use the filters set by Joe, like time, distance, and passenger rating, to determine which rides are best suited for Joe. When a ride request comes in, Joe doesn't need to worry. Maximo will automatically accept the ride request that matches his filters, and then turn off the app that isn't currently on a ride. Once Joe finishes the ride, Maximo will turn everything back on. This will allow Joe to focus more on his passengers and driving safe. All right, yeah. So everybody check out Maximo if you have an Android. Like everything, there's a free version and a paid version. So just give it a try. All right. We still got a few new news stories, but they're not quite as heavy as the last ones. In fact, this one's kind of funny. Who doesn't like to talk about strippers? Dancers sue Oregon strip clubs alleging federal wage violations similar to gig workers. This is from OregonLive.com. And uh, I don't know why that's the picture that they use, but they did. So, Cat Hollis and three other dancers are suing six strip clubs in Oregon a place known for its surfeit of adult entertainment thanks to the state's constitution, strong free speech protections. Um, so, I mean, I feel like I've heard this before, but it said, uh, let's, let me skip to the, uh, the dancers lawsuit alleged the establishments violated mandatory minimum wage provisions under the federal fair labor standards act filed in us district court in Portland and Eugene. The claims accused the clubs of asconding with the dancers tips and demanding illegal kickbacks in the form of house fees that dancers said they pay to work. They allege they are treated as independent contractors through their compensation arrangements, even though the strip clubs require them to act as employees by setting their work hours and working conditions down to the music. The question of whether a worker is an employer or an independent contractor is one of the hottest issues in all of American employment law, said Keith Cunningham Parmetter, a professor at Willamette University College of Law and expert in labor law. And it goes on. So... Uh, it's a good story. Our, and when I used to drive Uber and Lyft full-time uh, three years ago, or before I moved to uh, my current place when I lived in Lakeland, I would almost always end up out in Tampa. And you wouldn't believe, I would actually <laughs> give a lot of dancers rides to and from the clubs. And they this was a complaint they had. They said, we're paid like you know independent contractors, but I'm not allowed to go to a different club unless it's like 50 or 100 miles away or something. So, like, we're basically employees without the perks. So, I think, I don't know, I think, uh, not being a lawyer, I think they have a, a case here. Uh, I see. So, as you gave all those trippers those rides, um, did, <laughs> did I would say this is probably similar to WWE or UFC, where they consider them independent contractors, but they can't compete at a different or competing business. Um, I'm interested. I'm not really, I don't really know too much about strippers and how they get paid, um, in terms of 
but if you're an independent contractor, it it don't matter, man. Like we still need to figure out that middle ground. Like what exactly is between an employer and an independent contractor? Because yes, I understand. Like strippers, as I would assume, are attraction. So you may not want your employee. That's not employee, but you wouldn't want the talent to go to another club near your club because you want that exclusive rights. But at the same time, you don't want to pay them hourly. So. I have no. Oh, well, Pedro said they signed contracts. Okay, that's that's still complicated though. Still confusing to me. Yeah, and it probably varies by from city and also by state because yeah, like I'm sure the the especially in Oregon the the restrictions are a lot looser than they are in like Alabama or Georgia or something. You know. Yeah. Um, sorry, Kyle. No, I'm sorry. I, I find this diff. I think he's uh, exaggerating, but and also technically that doesn't have anything to do with this. But um, <laughs> one somebody said, um, yeah, he also said they have to sign a non compete. Well, you don't, you don't have to, if you know, like the owner says, hey, if I find out that you're working for Fred down the street, then you ain't working here. Like that doesn't require a, a contract or a you know, uh, non-compete or, or some kind of exclusivity clause or something like that. It depends on like the resources, the, the store or the, the business can give that person mm-hmm. that they may not want to violate that agreement by going somewhere else. So it must be a little bit more complicated than that. Yeah. It's, 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 it's interesting. And it's just one of those gray areas that again, all these AB five prop 22 pro act type things like can't account for it. Like trying to define what, exactly as an employee and what exactly is an independent contractor it's like these lines are getting blurred all the time so mm-hmm. all right we got some doordash news here and it's a uh, actually this is kind of uh not stale um dry um doordash sues new york city over a customer data second lawsuit in a week sorry i'm so zoomed in on this you couldn't even see the headline DoorDash Incorporated served New York City on Wednesday over a new law requiring food delivery companies to share customer data with restaurants, saying it violates customer privacy and lets restaurants compete unfairly. The lawsuit is the latest battle in a series of legal clashes between food delivery app companies and cities. It's filed in federal court in Manhattan. After Grubhub, DoorDash, and Uber Eats sued the United States' most populous city over a separate law capping fees that delivery companies charge restaurants. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Uh, New York City has... has tried since the coronavirus pandemic began to help restaurants that had complained about food delivery app fees as high as 30%. But that, that isn't what this is about. 90,000 restaurants nationwide have closed temporarily, blah, blah, blah. Wednesday's lawsuit, San Francisco based DoorDash said the city exhibited naked animus by requiring food delivery app companies to provide customers, names, phone numbers, email addresses, and delivery addresses to restaurants. They said this would let restaurants free ride on data they would not demand from in-person diners is a shocking invasive intrusion of customers' privacy. Well, far be it from me to take DoorDash's side on pretty much anything, but sounds kind of true. It's like, that's a good point. They don't ask for your email, phone number, or even your name when you're going to McDonald's. So why should they have that if you're going through just an app on your phone? Yeah. Because the information they're getting is what's truly valuable of what you order and what you're interested in. So, yeah, I understand. I understand the the battle. 
um, you know, DoorDash and all these, they, they're going to have to keep keep going and trying to get back something in terms of these lawsuits and try to be as aggressive as possible because every all the targets on their back. So they're going to try to, you know, fight back in any way they can. But I tell you, I don't think a lot of these lawsuits are going to hold up. I think a lot of them are always going to side with the state. So we'll see how this one pans out. But they're, they're not really happy with DoorDash right now in New York City. Yeah, and DoorDash doesn't seem to be happy, it, which is really ironic because these woke uh, Silicon Valley companies have, uh, you know, they're blue companies in blue cities, and yet they can't stop getting in legal battles with politicians who are like like the the woke companies claim one thing, but then the actual woke politicians in power are in, are like actually enacting those policies, and then, and then like the companies are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, so and also, I mean, again, neither of us are lawyers, but I don't know if you're actually going to sue like that's that's kind of like, you know, a, a line is being crossed. Like they try to negotiate in good faith before that, because when you're actually suing, like it's not like it's not certainly not arbitration, like suing like that, especially with big, huge corporations like DoorDash, like those lawyers don't work cheap. So, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, how the legal system's so screwed. Like, um, most people, if you're, even if you are innocent of a crime, most people will, uh, plead it down to something else because if you, uh, take it to trial, your chances of beating the state are so minuscule. So I'm wondering if that's, if the same thing happens when in civil court, when you're dealing with regulations and stuff. Uh, Cause I think a lot of these, these blue cities, like they kind of go rogue and they're just like doing whatever the hell they want. So I don't know. I'm just, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, let's move on. Oh, we got a, one more ad. We got a new ad. So this is, um, you might've seen, I interviewed this guy, Mike delivers uh, about a month or two ago. And uh, he is advertising his podcast on my podcast. And this is just kind of a audio read, so I'm just going to play this. That's right. This is Mike Biseglia, and I'm the host of the Mike Delivers Podcast. Find me weekly on Apple and Spotify, where I talk about my adventures on the road as an Uber Eats driver, like seeing people in their underwear, not getting great tips, and all of the other shenanigans that happens on the road as a gig economy driver. Also, my wife and I do food reviews from fast food restaurants. We talk about things like Taco Bell chicken sandwiches and deep dish pizza from Pizza Hut. Find me on the Mike Delivers Podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Jason Teary from the Gig Coming Podcast turned me on to his show, and it, it's it's a fun show. It's especially if you like food and fast food. Uh, it's just him and his wife just usually going trying a new restaurant every week. And although he does do kind of like what we do every once in a while, well, he'll, he'll go over the gig news of the of the moment and uh, talk about it. So I'm hoping that awesome. we're going to do a. Uh, I'm hoping to have him on this show. Eventually, and then you know I'll do his show eventually too. Gotcha. By the way, Eric uh, Perrick is here. I don't know if I said or Perrich, and everybody's saying hi to him. So, hi Eric. I haven't seen this guy in a while. So, all right, we let's move on to our last segment. So we got all the the news out of the way. Let's talk about the fun stuff. So this is from Yahoo. 
Um, wrapping adds up. Here's how much you can make wrapping your car. And I've actually, I thought about this and I did something similar to this. So uh, let me see. If you're willing to wrap your car from bumper to bumper and advertising, you can make money on the way to work, the grocery store, and anywhere else you go. Probably seen these mo- mobile billboards all over your hometown. So how do you sign up and how much money can you make? As long as you know where to look, you could get more than enough cash to cover basic bills or pay down debt just for going about your daily commute. How do you sign up? Even if your car ends up covering logos for Coca-Cola, Shell, or Zoom, the big companies themselves won't be paying you. Instead, you'll be working with reputable ad agencies that specialize in vehicle wraps, a budding form of out-of-home advertisement. And they also say, so let's just get right to it. It says, how much can you make? With legitimate car ad companies, you can earn a few hundred dollars per month so long as you're meeting the general requirements. With Carvertize, you can make between $100 and $300 per month, depending on the size of the ads, given that you drive at least 30 miles a day. Rapify works similarly. You can get as much as $452 per month with 35 hours of driving. Uber OOH, uh, you make about between $100 and $300. And then there's a bunch of scams, and it just says, uh, make sure you... Scammers will ask you to pay for the car wrap. The promised pay per week is very high. Scammers will reach out to you unsolicited. And then how will it affect my uh, auto insurance? And said it won't. So um, I don't know. I thought about doing this. I did something like this similar last year, the um, sticker.co, which is where you just put a, like a billboard on the your rear windshield. And I made a video about this, and it's like a borderline scam. It's like a total multi-level marketing scheme where it's just like there's like the you make money by signing up other drivers and it's like you don't make like they don't track your mileage or anything all you have to do is just take a picture of the the picture of uh, uh, the 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 sticker on your rear windshield like once a month and i did this for like 2 months and i made like 10 15 bucks each month it was like such a rip off but this i have to look into this but this i don't know if, uh well actually bucks a month ain't bad i mean it's I have a pretty intimate knowledge with uh, Rapify. I actually did it for about two months. So, oh really? Yeah, Rapify. What you do is you download the app, you sign on, uh, you put all your credentials. They wait. You basically wait for a campaign to come to you. So a, pa- a campaign may come to you. Uh, they connect you to someone who installs the wrap on your car. That takes about a day. So a day of not working because once you drop it off in the morning, they, it takes all day to wrap your car up. And this is full wraps and partial wraps. I think I had basically I had like a full wrap in my car. The only issue is the pay. Now, they say in Rapify, you get up to $400 a month. Well, the campaign I joined and the one that I was going to and was invited to the next one, I it was getting paid basically $40 a week. Because there's a certain cap in mileage. So you're not able to drive as much as you can. And it's connected to your Bluetooth or something like that. Oh, no. Actually, there's a something they installed into the car, I believe, to track the miles or whatever. Uh, the only issue I had was the full wrap. Uh, when they wrapped the back of my car, I I could barely see out of the back of my car. And it was pretty, it wasn't the safest thing. It was a small car, so, you know, no accidents ever happened. We have the camera and everything on it. But I didn't like that. I didn't like the fact that I couldn't see the back of my windshield. That, that's pretty important. Um, but if you're, as, as Uber's, tons of Uber rides, left rides, tons of people who, who, uh, take advantage of it. But well, for me, $40 a week wasn't enough money. So I decided to not, not do it anymore. And insurance, you're not supposed to know that you're doing it too. So I decided to get out of it. It doesn't seem like it would affect your, ins- cause like there's no, you, you know, like you're not transporting 
food or packages or passengers. It's just something that's on your car. Yeah. Um, who do you remember? Who was the advertisers that was on your car? Uh, Zoom Communications. Uh, the next one, I think it was for Petco.com or something like that. But I decided mm-hmm. not to do it. Yeah. I have to look into it. I mean, that's a problem. Like with these companies, is um, there's just no like it's like when I, even when I was signing up for a sticker, like it, they don't they never say exactly what their rates are. It's all about it's kind of like this weird tip pool type thing. It's like however many people are in your area, like they never give you an exact price. And like I said, I made like fifteen bucks for like two months. So mm-hmm. uh, Dash Theory TVs here, he said. It was annoying. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as I hit show, the, no. the chat moved. Mm-hmm. The back windshield is a safety issue piece that turned me away. Yeah. Um, the, with the sticker one that I had, it has like it's – I mean they have that like with trucks where you put something on the back windshield, but like it's on the, the side that's facing the interior of the car. It's like just gray or white. Oh, so okay. it, like, it looks like the entire – back windshield is just like has like a tint on it or something but mm-hmm. all right let's move on long show today another one from uh yahoo news another instacart thing this one's a little breezier though this is i'm an instacart shopper here are eight things i wish customers would stop doing from matt wilson um so i'm just gonna read the bullet points here Bad directions can turn a quick, easy trip into an hour-long affair. Well, I don't know about an hour-long affair, but yeah, that's true. Like, I'm in a, uh apartment complex. I'm trying to explain where I lived is a pain in the ass. Like, I put detailed instructions on turn left here, turn right here. I'm in the second building on the left, and most drivers still don't get it. Hey, that looks like a picture I would take, the Aldi. That's Aldi uh, water. Instacarters make most of their money from tips, but not all customers are generous. Damn, isn't that the truth? Story continues. <laughs> it's totally okay to add a few items to your list after the order starts, but please be reasonable. I agree. Uh, sometimes customers, and it said they can add items to the check. There should be a limit. Like They can add like one or two things. Uh, it can be frustrating when people are really picky about their replacements. Yep. I spent a lot of time waiting for customers who don't communicate. Yep. That is... I I I, had, I did it as a survey once. I said, "What's more annoying when you're trying to make you're sending customers messages and they don't respond at all, or the customers that are super super picky? At least the picky ones are at least writing you back. I'm not going to break the rules by buying you alcohol and cigarettes. Well, you can buy alcohol. Well, actually, you can't add alcohol on. And for whatever reason, I don't I don't know if it's in any of the 50 states you can't order cigarettes through Instacart or any of those companies." It sucks when you get a low rating for no real reason. Yep. Uh, that's that's probably the worst. It's frustrating when the few bad Apple customers go on a power trip and that's it. So I know you've only done a handful of Instacart orders, but anything on here that he left off? No, I think every, everything seems to be like, especially the non-communicate, like you want them to communicate with you. You're standing there, especially when you're done and you're still waiting for the final approval or a replacement you're just standing there and you know that's that's one of the things that you know i'm a good instacart customer i have me and my wife have the the, the app so if i'm not able to answer it she can answer it so we're not holding someone up it, you know this kind of considerations are important because they are taking care of you mm-hmm. what's uh like when you when you're uh placing your order do you put replacements for every single thing or even do not replace 
I I try to do a lot of refund. They just like refund me, you know. Like you know, this sometimes it's something I'm really interested. In, but if they don't have it, no big deal. Um, so I don't necessarily try to get replacements for everything, unless it's something I know they're gonna run out of. So I try to be, you know, try to f- foresee it. But mm-hmm. yeah. Oh yeah, uh, Dash Series TV. He said looking for the Instacart Series gig tube. Yeah. Uh, so I mentioned this. If you saw it, I put it on my uh, community pay tab. A couple hours ago, so all all next week, Monday through Friday, I'm going to do Instacart, um, like probably eight to six every day, and I'm willing, like, kind of like how Blake Moore did, like a week of just 100 percent acceptance. I'm going to try basically do the same thing with Instacart because, like, last time I checked the app, um, just batches were just abysmal, and I just want to see, like, how many people will actually tip after delivery. I remember Dibbles did a video about this a long time ago, but she only did like three people, which isn't really much of a sample size. But I think if you can get 15 or 20 people, um, then you would see, you know, what percentage of people will tip after delivery. So, all right. We actually have a couple TikTok videos this week. We we haven't had some in a while. So I like the Daily Dot. They just uh, kind of serve it up and then I'll play the, uh, the video. Do they at least leave you a 20% tip? DoorDash driver complains... Customer ordered a flat screen TV. So I'm just going to play the video. It's very short, but you can still see it. Those are those are legit funny, and they're both short, which is kind of the point of TikTok. Uh, I've never done a, a TV delivery, although that one through DoorDash. I mean, it, it had to have been like through probably well, it might have been through Walmart. That's what I'm mm-hmm. thinking. Like it was probably a Walmart. Yeah, because it was High Sense, which I believe is like one of Walmart's. It's either their brand or exclusive brand. Um. And also, the driver didn't have to take the order. He could have just saw that it was a TV. And just like I don't know what kind of car he has, but he could I, have yeah, it, those those complaints does it just does. I'm not able to understand. Like if you saw it, realized it was a, not worth it, then why are you continuing to do it? I, I, it's just a complaint, I guess. Yeah, uh, it cracked me up though. They said oh, you're a whole hole. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and the uh, the Amazon one. I mean, that was a full uh, truck driver, not a. Amazon flex driver out of their Honda fit like me, but damn 314 pack. Like I could understand like if that was like a mansion, you know, like maybe they just moved and like, they're just furnishing their entire house through Amazon, mm-hmm. but it looked like, looked like just middle America suburbs. What the heck yeah. did they order? Did it, they it make like a practical joke? Like somebody sent them like, <laughs> like maybe they're all the boxes were empty or they had like Tic Tacs in them or something. I think someone is making something or doing something. Yeah, that that it's very strange, but makes for a funny video to laugh at while you're on the shitter. <laughs> oh, speaking of TikTok, I am on TikTok now. I am at gig underscore tube on TikTok, although I haven't uploaded any videos yet. I'm just on there to uh to lurk, basically. All right. So <laughs> it's our favorite time of the show where we get to our top five list. Shit, there's a uh 
pop up on here and have my I have I always zoom in like 300% so you can read. All right. Last story, here we go. How much candy should you buy for Halloween? This sweet formula has the answer. This is from redtry.com. Red tricycle? Okay. But it's from it's like some press release from shipped Ah, the age-old question of how much candy to buy for Halloween. There's nothing worse than running out halfway through the evening and having to hide in your house with the lights out. That's why Shipped and Mars Wrigley have devised a new formula to help you determine how many sweets to purchase, plus a heat map of top treats by state. So this is hilarious. They actually came up with, with this mathematical formula, and you just see random letters, T times K times G plus D times F times S. Uh, so, I mean... It's time times kids times generosity factor plus days times family times sneaky factor equals total number of candy pieces divided by 30 uh, equals number of bags of candy needed. And then we have uh, top Halloween sweets by state. Um, Florida, we got the Snickers minis. Hannibal's in New York, also Snickers. And it's, um, you know, it's most... Most candy can be broken down into either chocolate or fruit. There isn't, except for, what is that, Montana, where Orbit gum is is number one? Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty crazy. I mean, are, do you guys, do you give out kid, uh, candy on Halloween? Um, no, they don't come in my. They don't come in my uh on my neighborhood. So no, <laughs> they go. They go other places. But if you're smart, you go to places that are like homes, places where you probably get the most candy. So you go to high, it's the same thing as gig work. You want your market to go to a place that there's people that you know have money. You don't want necessarily want to go into apartment buildings, which I did, had to do back back in the day. But you want to go to you know brownstone houses, townhouses, and knocking on doors. So usually I would say I never get anyone to come to my house. I don't really. Yeah, I've I, I yeah, I've lived in apartments for so long. I trick or treaters never come here, but uh I mean I do love candy. In fact that's our top five for this week. So you know I you everybody else has gone first for a long time. So I'm I'm gonna go first this week. Gotcha. If that's okay. Go for it. All right, so our top five Halloween candies, and which is really just top five candies. Although I think, like with Halloween candies, is that you kind of think of like the the small, like fun size. You know, I, I'm not sure if there's much of a difference, but all right. So my top five Halloween candy. Now countdown number five: Jolly Ranchers. It's funny. This is the only fruit candy on the list. Most candy I like is chocolate. But of all the fruit candy, I'm not a huge fan of like sours, like uh, Spree or uh, Sour Patch Kids or something like that. I I'm gonna have candy. I like it to be like that. I like I don't know. I just love Jolly Ranchers and especially watermelon and peach. So number five, Jolly Ranchers. Number four, Junior Mints or peppermint patties. Just the chocolate, the peppermint. It's delicious, and especially if you saw that Seinfeld episode. And also, Junior Mints are actually really rare. You still have to find them all the time. I hardly ever, I don't see them anymore. I don't know if they still make them or not. Number three, peanut M&Ms. You know, it's funny. Like I buy trail mix a lot and it's just, you know, peanuts and then like regular M&Ms and then use like raisins and dates and some other, you know, dried fruit in there. And it's funny. I was like, you can just cut out the middleman and just have peanut M&Ms. And it's like, at least you get some protein from the peanuts. 
Uh, number two, Snickers. I mean, I love the full size Snickers, but just even those little, the fun size ones, those will really hit the spot. Love, love Snickers. Used to eat that all the time in college. That was my dessert like every night. <laughs> and number one, uh, a tie, but they're both Reese's. Reese's peanut butter cups or Reese's pieces. It's just something about that combination of chocolate and peanut butter. Love it. In fact, I, last night I ordered some 7-Eleven on Uber, uh, Uber Eats, and I ordered a, a bag of little, little mini, mini peanut butter cups, Reese's peanut butter cups, and they were sold out. I mean, at least I got my six bucks back, but I, I really wanted the candy. <laughs> All right, so what's your what's your give me your uh, your top five Halloween candies? Well, we overlap on a few actually. Uh, so let me go to uh, my top five Halloween candies, and, and this is just candies in general. But I kind of remember back in the you know just doing a little bit of trick or treating as a kid. Um, shout out to my father. He he was such into candy. He, was so, he had such a sweet tooth that a lot of times we didn't need to go out trick or treating because he would buy an unhealthy amount of candy to stay in the house. And to a point where like they, we had so much candy, it didn't matter. Um, the kids in my building used to come to my house knew that we had so much candy. But so this is the kind of candy I remember getting and enjoying a lot back in the day because I'm old now. But yeah, number five, Jolly Ranchers. So like we had this kind of saying number five, which is interesting. Um, my favorite is always apple flavored. I love apple flavored can- candy. So, but any kind of flavor, Johnny Ranchers, I would just destroy. It would be amazing. Um, number four, you didn't say gummy bears. I love gummy bears. I can eat that right now. Like it doesn't matter. The uh, I forgot the the name brand, but you probably know it's the gold that gold package. Haribo. Yes. Yeah. Uh, they they have a great sour flavor, but didn't have those back in the day when I was out trick or treating. But I love those. So that's number four for me. Number three, Butterfingers. Um, similar to you, I like peanut butter. I like peanut butter and I like the chocolate. I think it's a good combination of all those kind of things. I like texture. It just Butterfingers. And, I, you know, I used to watch a lot of Simpsons back in the day when it used to be funny. Uh, number two, Snickers. Again, our list is so similar. Uh, same thing. The peanut butter kind of t- taste. It doesn't matter what, if it's cold, if you get warm. It just... Snickers is great. Obviously, you would like to get the full bar, but I'm not, you know, greedy and you know, smack down the fun size. Uh, it's it, I'll eat it no matter what. And number one, again, we have some, you know, some overlap. The best candy, the best candy is the Reese's butter, uh, peanut butter cups. It, it it's the best. Uh, I don't know what else you really could say about it. I don't know who doesn't like it. You have to judge them differently. Like why? How you don't like Reese's butter cups? They're amazing. Um, I, just the break the regular ones, just a little you know, a little small ones. Little small ones are great. Um, it doesn't really matter the size. I see the huge ones. It's amazing. I mean, you can't beat it. I can eat one right. Now. I can eat a box right now of them. They're they're the best. <laughs> I think I got turned on to Reese's Pieces when I was a kid because I saw ET in the theaters. Wow, that? wow! Yeah, in the theaters, how old I am? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I think they reached out to M and M's and they turned them down. And they like, Reese's Pieces was their second choice. Mm. yeah but yeah i don't know what it is especially anything reese's makes there was a time that they made a candy bar i cannot remember it from the name of me but it's just it was like it's kind of like their version of butterfinger Mm -hmm. and um i remember when i was in community college i there like you had to walk across this really busy highway and there was a a shopping plaza on the across the street and like it was the only store, like there was a supermarket, and they sold this, um, some kind of Reese's, 
you know, uh, chocolate and peanut butter candy bar. Speaking of which, uh, I should have a picture of it. But uh, so I had this beer. Actually, I'll bring it up. Uh, I showed it to you. If you guys are following me on Instagram, uh, you might have seen this picture last night. I, I, there's a there's a whole subgenre now of peanut butter stouts, uh, stouts that are chocolate and peanut butter. Here we go. As soon as this uploads, should have this ready to go. I would I'd highly recommend if you can get this or one like it. This and this is that not the greatest beer label ever? I mean, it looks exactly like a can of Skippy peanut butter, and it's actually made with real Skippy peanut butter. It's called Peanut Butter Breakdown. And it's just you know, it's a chocolate and peanut butter stout. It's made with real peanut butter. So uh, and there's another beer that's more widely available. It's called Sweet Baby Jesus, and uh, you should be able to find that in like any good beer store. I think it's probably available nationwide or at least on the East Coast. Yeah, I gotta try. Out. I gotta try those yeah. too. Yeah, and there's a there's a I know there's a Java version, so it's like there's a it's peanut butter and chocolate, and then they also add coffee to it. Mm. Yeah. So, all right. So, like I said, for this week coming up, I'm doing all Instacart. Although I did get I got new tires in, and it's funny I ordered them on Amazon, and they weren't supposed to get here until tomorrow, but they were actually delivered like Friday night. And the door to my apartment swings out, and every single time a delivery person comes here, they put something right in front of the door. And I'm like, look at the freaking hinges. You can see that the door swings out. So I'm trying to open my door, and I can't because there's four freaking tires blocking the door. Uh, but yeah. my, my mechanic is cool because uh, my mechanic, it's not the first time that they said, you know, you can buy tires from somebody else and we'll put them on for you. But I didn't. I just didn't have the balls to call like an actual tire store and be like, Hey, if I get tires off at Amazon, will you guys put them on? But <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think they'll go for that. So, uh, hoping to get that knocked out on Monday morning, but otherwise eight to six Monday through Friday, all Instacart all the time. Nice. You got any, uh, usually I would see a, uh, you, you know, usually schedule whatever you have coming up on Tuesday night by now. I don't think I saw yeah. anything. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't, I don't have anyone yet. I gotta, gotta start uh, asking around. I don't know the UDM uh, conversation when was so amazing. I'm kind of trying to figure out what's the next move, to be honest. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll throw some feelers out, see what happens. Maybe I'll, I'll just go on, get on myself for Tuesday. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Oh, talking on mute here. <laughs> hey, Leo, the show's over, so you can. Uh... You can jump up now. Uh, he probably he won't he won't yell at you once the show is uh, over. <laughs> no, yeah, he's happy now. Hey, Jill Bright, hi from Canada. Well, hi, uh, but we're hey. we're just about to wrap up. <laughs> so, um, yeah, check out my video about uh, my two weeks with Lyft. It, uh, for for me, it went viral. But f- like, I got last time I checked, it was a little over two thousand views, which for me is really really good. Um, Pedro's laughing. Oh no, wait, that's barfing. What are you barfing at? <laughs> he doesn't like cats. Oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> watch you're watching Practical Jokers. Sal is like terrified of cats. Yeah, it's uh yeah, Pedro does not mess with cats, man. Yeah, like I don't I don't have like a legit phobia of like any it's funny because, like, as a kid, I mean, it's like you just 
naturally afraid of like spiders and snakes and scorpions and stuff. And ever since I moved to Florida, I actually see snakes. I'm like, you'll see snakes just slithering through somebody's front yard. And Ooh, yeah, yeah it, I mean, it's still fairly rare, but you will, you will see them. And then all you have to do is just be like, all right, well, I'm just not going to walk over there. I mean, they're not like huge pythons and anacondas and stuff. I mean, they're little like racer snakes and most of them are technically harmless, but like snakes are like, what, I, when you were a kid, your parents ever say, you know, they're more afraid of you than you are of them. They say that, but yeah. it still doesn't doesn't go through the head there when you see one. <laughs> so, all right. Well, this was a pretty fun show, man. We went ninety minutes, and that was mostly talking about legit news and what almost happened. Yeah. I, uh, Kyle knows that I almost stepped on a copperhead here in North Carolina, making a delivery to someone's house. Yeah, I, I see a lot of well, not copperheads, but um. Just I just see you just see snakes everywhere, and it's it's funny. It's like if they're just plain black. They're usually harmless, and it's usually I, I think like the rule is if anybody uh, correct me, somebody's gonna fact check me, but I believe like kind of like a rule of thumb with snakes is like if they're a solid color, they're fairly harmless. But if they have like a any kind of um, kaleidoscope type pattern, like diamondbacks you know, rattlesnakes, you know, where they have like some kind of pattern on them. Mm. Like those are the, the venomous, dangerous snakes, but the ones that are just a solid color, they'll usually leave you alone. Oh, okay. But I, again, somebody fact check me. I'm just <laughs> going off that. So, <laughs> all right. Well, another good show as always. Yeah. And I did, I did watch the UDM show. That was, that was a lot of fun. Uh, well, as much fun as it can be about here and, his, you know, struggles with COVID and all that stuff. But, um, yeah, man. yeah. I wonder, I wonder how many people like took a lesson from that. I mean, I did. Like, honestly, yeah, you did. I forgot to yeah. mention it to him. Like you definitely took it. You're like, okay, I got, got to get yeah. this stuff together. Well, because him, Nugs and Joe Rogan all got COVID like more or less the same week. And then all of a sudden, like I'm in my lift car, with people breathing down my neck, I'm like, oh shit, I should probably get the vaccine. <laughs> and I did have like a little bit of like a cold the first few days there, but you know, I, I felt fine ever since. So cool. Um, yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, play the uh, closing music and uh, we will see you. Oh, I, oh, oh yeah. My, uh, my guest for Wednesday show is Dasher Shannon, also out of St. Louis. Awesome. So she will be on the show on Wednesday. There was a certain A-lister who I reached out to who said that they were interested, and I wrote them back and said, okay, how about this date? And I haven't heard back from them yet. So We'll see. We'll see. We'll yeah. see. Oh, and I did get gigtube.com. So I am hiring a professional to build that website. I mean, it could be a week or two before it's ready to go, but I got gigtube.com. The guy wanted $2,500 for it, and I said, I don't have any money. And he's like, you know what? I'll just give it to you and take the – the business loss right off. So, <laughs> all right. I am go- We're rambling as always. Thanks for watching. Be safe. Keep Take care, gigging. guys. Yep. And we will <laughs> see you. Keep hustling out there. All right. Bye. Bye bye.